well, hey, I need to begin with an apology. I completely lost it when Bo Davis said that he tried to run the women's ministry and it didn't work out. Yeah, you have to know Bo to know why that's funny. Uh, because like, if you just stand around, Bo will organize you. I'm telling you. And, and, and I'm not going to stand around this morning because he threatened me this morning. He's teaching the four-year-olds, and he said, you better not go long. You've got to get me out of there. <laughs> hey, i just just come from a, an on-the-journey class, and it was just the best on-the-journey class I've ever been a part of. That's, that's where we get together with folks that are thinking about, about joining with us and walking with us. And, and we, we, we believe that uh, we're called to to walk with Jesus, to walk in the power of his Holy Spirit and in the way of love. And so what we do in that class is everybody tells their story of how they came to know Jesus and how they came to love Jesus. And, you know, and I get to share, like, where we are on that. And it was just the best today. I was so built up by the testimony of all of those people. And, and I've never been with a group that was so excited to be a part of Singing Oaks. And, and, and I, I, I got something that I just got to share with all of you. One of the ladies in the class said, when I come to Singing Oaks, I just feel like I'm part of a big, warm fuzzy. Well, you know, I've never, I've never had us called a big, warm fuzzy before, but I, I think I like that. I think I like that. I, yeah, maybe that's a slogan for us. Welcome to the big warm fuzzy. I don't know. They, they asked me uh, in that meeting, like, said, will, will the town hall meeting be like this tonight? And I said, oh, I hope so. I hope so. Because I, I, I just love for everybody, young and old, to be there. And I say young and old because, man, our faithful, long-time pillars of the church that have got us to where we are, I know they're going to, I know you're going to be there. Wild horses wouldn't keep you away. But like sometimes our younger folk feel, you know, we have to invite them into that conversation. You know, that, that their voice matters. Last week, I just had the best experience. One of our 16-year-olds came up to me and said, Ross, I can't make the meeting this coming Sunday, but I wish I could be there. And I thought to myself, yes, yes. Because in the kingdom of God, everybody's got a voice. That very first sermon where, where Peter's quoting uh, Joel, he, he quotes, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will have visions. I'm like, that's what I want. Us old guys dreaming and our young, young men and women having visions. And so that, that's what tonight's about. It, it, it's not going to be about, like, you know, the programs that we've got going. And we've got a lot of good programs, and you need programs. And... But I, I want to have a soul talk. That's what I want to have. I want to, I want to talk about you and Jesus, me and Jesus, 
You and the Holy Spirit, me and the Holy Spirit. I, I, I want us to remember what it's all about and to go back to that, to that place. And, and, and so that's what I'm, I'm hoping for. And, and for our young parents, for whom life can be incredibly crazy in this day and age, we will have babysitting for you. It's between 4.30 and 6, and we'll try not to, we really will try not to go long. And uh, just want you there. Just want to talk. I want to listen more than, more than I want to talk. And I want us to pray more than, more than share information. And, and, you know, I've been talking about the what for two years now about our vision. I, I think we're ready to start rolling into the how. And that's what on earth as it is in heaven is all about. It's not just up there. It's down here. Grow groups, they're also part of this, this vision. You know, we can come here for worship on Sunday, but where is the time when we sit down and we talk heart to heart about our own struggles walking with Jesus, our own, our own experience of walking with the Holy Spirit? Because when, when you're talking out of that experience, Scripture is something entirely different. Scripture is something entirely different than if, you, if you're studying it just from an intellectual standpoint. And like, that's what I want. And that's what I can see happening. And the power is in prayer. The power comes from God. It says, thine is the kingdom, not mine is the kingdom. So those small groups, I'll be meeting with leaders next Sunday during Bible class hour, and we'll kick off grow groups again on the, uh, on the 26th. I said last week, we live in a fascinating time. We live in a fascinating time. We live in a time of revolution. And it is really just revolution piled on top of revolution. And, and nothing, nothing is the same. Everything is changing, and it's changing so fast that you, you, even if you're 16 years old, you can't keep up with the change that we've got going right now. We are living in millennial times. And that generation that was, was basically the children of this millennium, Generation Z, we got to get them. We've got to. Around the world, the faith is spreading like wildfire, like wildfire. This morning, more Christians worshipped Jesus Christ in China than worshipped Jesus Christ in the United States. So like, don't tell me the Holy Spirit isn't moving. Don't tell me that God isn't moving. He is. And he's moving here, except whew, I believe he's cleaning house here. He's sweeping away the dross. And he's calling his church back to him, back to Jesus, back to what really matters. And, and, and it's Generation Z. Let me, let, let me say this again this morning. Only one in five believe in going to church. 
60% reject even the notion of a single true religion, and the percentage of self-described atheists is double the general population. What are they rejecting? What do they lack? Well, you know, the, the bad news is that traditional religion is dying. And we haven't seen how bad it's fixing to get, but it's fixing to get bad. We're just on the front end of something that is monstrous what's going to happen. Don't tell me these kids are just going to wander like little, little sheep back to church. They're not. The good news is that we have a whole society up for grabs. The good news is we have a generation up for grabs. And a lot, of people are, a lot of people are running scared. People run scared when you're in the middle of a revolution. People run scared when the world is being turned upside down. We just do. It, it's a scary thing. But this country has been there before. I just want to, want to say that. This country has been there before. Church attendance in the United States for all time, for the entire existence of this republic, peaked under Eisenhower. 1950s, biggest church attendance. But it was not always so. After the American Revolution, the whole landscape changed and we, we were there in that landscape as a country. It was revolution, everything was turned upside down, and when everything is turned upside down, everything is up for grabs, and it was all up for grabs. The traditional churches found themselves in immediate trouble after the revolution. See, the Catholics and the Episcopalians couldn't even ordain priests, because the, the Catholics had all been under the Bishop of London. American Catholicism was run out of London. And the Episcopalians had, uh, like, no new bishops, and they couldn't, they, they couldn't appoint bishops, which meant that you couldn't have ordained priests, you couldn't have marriages, you couldn't, you couldn't do a lot of things. And American diplomats were scrambling all over Europe. They tried to get the, uh, the Lutherans, Adams tried to get the Lutherans to send some bishops over to ordain some Episcopalian bishops because Church of England wasn't going to ordain anybody over here. Church of England, okay, you guys are gone. You're gone. You're really gone. Besides, there were a lot of loyalists in the Episcopalian church. It was, it was trouble. And there was blood in the streets in Paris coming out of the 80s. When the, when the French do it, they do it all the way. You know, if you're going to have a revolt, you're going to have a revolt. Denis Diderot had, had said that mankind would never be free until the last king was strangled with the guts of the last priest. And like they moved to do that. They shut down the churches. They shut down the churches and forbade Christianity as a religion. And, and they got the guillotines going to restart history day one with uh, 
July 14th and the French Revolution. And people wondered, will America go this way? Will the Americans follow the, Fre the French into the total revolution? And that's how the century ended, the 18th century, how it ended, until there was an awakening started. People started praying. It wasn't an organized thing, it was just, it started. And then in the first year of the 19th century, in 1801, something amazing happened. A revival broke out on the frontier of Kentucky in a little town called Cane Ridge at a little church, a little wooden church in Cane Ridge. Cane Ridge Church of Christ. That was ground zero. That was ground zero for a change that swept all over the American frontier. There was one group that didn't exist, and there were two little fringe groups that just had a few members at that time. You may have heard of them, the Baptist, Oh, there's another little tiny group too, uh, the Methodist. And there was us, who we hadn't even coalesced yet. And within 50 years, the Methodists were the largest religious group in the United States, followed by the Baptists, and, and, and our people, our people were growing all over the frontier with a call, let's get back, let's get back to the... Let's just get, get back to just being Christians, shall we? Folks, we've been there before, and we can be there again. See, back then, we weren't part of the religious establishment. We didn't even exist. But here's the thing. Now, now we are kind of part of the establishment. And the establishment is going down. The question is... What faith will rise out of that? It is time for another great awakening. Like of this I'm sure. Like th th there is no doubt in my mind that this is time. What the timetable will be, I can't tell you at all. But I know that now is the time. The kingdom of God is moving. Not just in China, moving here in the United States. Kanye West. How many of you have heard of Kanye West? You know, it's really interesting. There were more people in the first service who knew who Kanye West is <laughs> than this one. You know, maybe they are the cool service and you're, you're the, just the old timers. That's what I'm wondering here. And a bunch of people raised their hands, and, and, you know, and some of them were older than me. Well, for those of you that don't know, uh, he is a real force in this world. He's a 40-year-old hip-hop artist with a great deal of influence in a great many places, and maybe not in your house, maybe in your house, which would make your house a very interesting place. But Kanye just recently announced that he's got an album coming called Jesus is King. And he's not interested in 
having any music going forward that doesn't lift up Jesus. Now, I have no idea what that album is going to look like. I don't want to take any responsibility for what that album may look like. I'm a little scared what might be in that album. But here's the thing. He's saying I'm all in for Jesus. There's another artist. I had heard of, 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 of Kanye, but there's another artist called Chance the Rapper. Any of you know who? I, I didn't know. Who knows? Okay, some of you know. Well, Chance the Rapper, like he's a popular rap artist. And on Instagram, he, he did a Bible study in Galatians. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I, I really need to know what was in that. I, I, I'd love to know how you rap Galatians. But here's the thing. God moves in mysterious ways. And God's spirit is moving. And, and, and the thing we've got to come to terms with is not, will he move with us, but will we move with him? Will we move with him? And to that end, I would ask that we all stand and pray the prayer that Jesus prayed and that he told us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Be seated. His, his vision is, is heaven on earth. His, 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 and it's his vision. It's his kingdom. And we follow the lead of our king. We need a kingdom vision. We need a, a vision that is larger than, well, any, any narrow vision that you might have. We need a vision as big as God. And, and, and we need a heart as big as the heart of God himself. And, and we need power. But, but, but we need the power that comes not through our strength just, but most of all through our weakness, through our surrender. We need God's strategy. You know, something about Americans. Americans are the greatest organizers that ever hit planet Earth. You know, I, I, I say that coming from the outside and becoming a, a, a American. Nobody organizes anything like Americans do. But whatever it is, it can't be human strategy. It, 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 it can't, there will be strategies, sure. But, but it can't rely on that. It has to rely on, on God's strategy for us. And I know where it starts. It starts at Cane Ridge. There's a little church. It's still in existence, a little wooden church, a little church of Christ, the oldest church of Christ. And that's where the answer to the French Revolution came from. I have a little show and tell here. I, ha I have a friend that uh, uh, 
he asked me to mentor him, and I think we've been we've mentored one another. His name's Eli Ganza, and Eli was a professional rodeo cowboy, and he's an artist. He makes saddles, and he makes all kinds of fine leather work. And, and, and talking about the Church of Christ, I told him where we come from, and he made me this, this journal to keep a record of what I had seen God do of the God stories, the God moments, mine, yours, the God stories that I have been around, the, the, the times when I've seen the Holy Spirit or experienced, experienced the Holy Spirit. And it has a, this pen, and this, this is the pen that I use, and this pen really means something to me. It's a friend of Eli's. Um, and this pen, he had, he called his friend and said, do this for my friend Ross. This is a pen made from one of the trees that was standing when the Cane Ridge revival occurred. And every time that I take it up, it's a visible and a living reminder to me of God's power, of God's control, that he will not be stymied. Oh, I don't know what he's going to do with me. But I know where the power is. Mary, you know, we think about Pentecost. By the way, they, they called that revival, they said it was the American Pentecost because it was unbelievable, the transformation of communities that were godless communities into communities of people that were deeply devoted to God. You know, we think of Pentecost, but what, what led up to Pentecost was Mary and the boys and the girls praying for 50 days after Jesus' crucifixion that God would show them. And then it, it happened. The Holy Spirit came. And, and it was so disruptive. Revolutions are disruptive. That um, everybody's speaking in multiple languages. And people are hearing the gospel in their own languages. And it's such a babble that everybody's thinking, are these guys drunk? And in the confusion, God reveals to Peter what's going on. In Acts chapter 2 and beginning in verse 15. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's, it's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in these days and they will prophesy. And so, like this, this passage buried in the Old Testament, Peter pulls it out and says, this is ours, this is now. 
and he preaches Jesus and then in a powerful emotional way and then, then he closes his sermon with this. Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise, now he looks, it's like Peter's looking up over the page at us. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That's what we seek. We seek God's presence. We seek God's leading. We, we, we seek his Holy Spirit power in Jesus Christ. And he's there to be found. And, and you know, I was listening to the, the testimonies this morning of, uh, of the folks in the journey class, and it, it's interesting. More than one person said, you know, I don't know if I found him or he found me. Well, you know, amen to that one. You know, they needed him in the first century. Or there would have been no Christianity. And I want to suggest to you, I don't want to suggest, I want to just tell you right now, we need him worse in the 21st than they needed him in the first. Like, like people don't even believe in the supernatural anymore. And, 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 some, you know, and, and it's hard, hard for everybody. So, you, you know, you read this book, and instead of power, you've got, yes, some beautiful moving metaphors. But God is more than a metaphor for us. He is a present living power. He is present. We live in a society with deeply secular values, and I don't just mean on the left. I mean, yeah, on the left for sure but not just the left, the right. Do I believe? Yeah, I could pull out my wallet right now and show that those beautiful words that America puts on her currency. In God we trust. And it's a beautiful sentiment. But do we trust that or do we trust our economic system to save us? And hey, I'm not coming after, I'm not on this sermon for sure. I ain't coming after the, the system. You need systems. Our economic system is not going to save the world. We have spent $4 trillion on foreign adventures. $4 trillion, and I'm not even talking about the, the deaths and the broken lives. And we went in thinking that we would have a battle for hearts and minds, and guess what? We lost that one. Talk to our Iraq veterans in this congregation. Talk to our Afghanistan veterans. This is a great country. This country 
has, has often been a shining light to the world. But America is not going to save the world. We're not going to do it. If we could, that would mean that we didn't need Jesus to do it. Not really. That what we really needed was just a bit of good old America. And that's not true. And, and you know, it's not true because all that is good in America is because of God in us. That, like our, our better spirits as a people, it comes, it, it, it comes from our faith and... and, and, and I really love this. I, I love this from John Adams, who believed that. He said this, it was a letter to the officers of the 1st Brigade of the 3rd Division of the Militia of Massachusetts, 11th of October, 1798. Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. I believe that. I believe that he nailed it. And our system is under stress right now. And that's where we need to look for the answer. We need to experience God. We need God's strategy. We need God's Holy Spirit. We need to experience God because you can't share what you don't have. And you can only share in the final analysis your actual living experience, what you have in your bones, not what you've got at the top of your head. You know, it's said that in his adult life that Jesus never traveled much more than 100 miles from his birthplace. Well, he sure has traveled a bunch since. He's traveled a bunch since, and William Cothran tells me he's coming down the Silk Road from Beijing. <sighs> Look at Acts 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. The early church explodes, and they have not one bit of a clever human strategy to do it. All they have is a surrendered heart. That's all they've got, and all they've got is the power of God working through their weakness. And it happened because that power had been building for a long, long time and prophets had been talking about it for centuries before and had no idea. Joel had no idea what was hap gonna happen on Pentecost when he penned his words. God's power comes when his people are faithful and when we seek him and we pray for him and we, when we don't do it as a side thought, oh, you know, better have a prayer. Eh, don't expect that one to get you much. God wants his kingdom to come. God wants heaven on earth. And that's not one day in the sweet by and by when you die. Not just that. It is that, but not just that. And it's not that one day we'll manage to establish utopia down here on earth and then we'll have the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is right here, right now, in individual souls. You can have it. You can have heaven on earth right now. That's, that's what my book teaches me, and that, that's what I believe.
I got, I got a thought for you here. You know, something that keeps us from that. When you invite a guest to your house, what's the first thing that you do? Clean it. Thank you. I knew one of the ladies would get down to this. Of course. And then your wife organizes you, and you discover that there's dirt where you never realized that there was any kind of dirt. Because only a woman can see all the things that need to be seen. Well, and, and you know, you cannot invite a guest because you think the house is too much of a mess. And man, I don't know about you, I've had my house, my house, me, in a mess. More times than I, I care to share right now. And I, I think you, you know, like you get into this thought, well, maybe if it was just a little mess, I could invite him over, but I have a big mess, and, and, and he'd never come into my big mess. But Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father, they tell us, mess? We're not bothered by the mess. And hey, you don't have it in you to clean it. Holy Spirits, let me come. And let me clean up your mess. So I put that to you this morning. If, you're, if that's where you are, don't wait until you've cleaned the place up. You'll be waiting until Jesus comes. It's not the way it works. And if... if, if if, if, you need, if you need prayer, if you're ready to give your life to Jesus, man, I would like nothing better than have a prayer with you about whatever it is right now. And I know our elders and their wives feel the same way, and they'll be there for you. Whatever it is, bring it while we stand and sing.